What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 193. Seven episode warning. Seven episodes. Seven. And today we're going to be talking about Stargate SG-1's episode Origin. Origin. Friends, we are an independent podcast. And if you like what we got going on, you can support the show. Uh, There's a place, uh, buymeacoffee.com slash walking through. Or you can go to our website at wtts.space. Space! And there is a coffee cup icon in the bottom right corner. You click on that and you can easily buy us a coffee or two or five. If you click on the words walking through the Stargate upon clicking the coffee cup icon, it takes you to buymeacoffee.com slash walking through. There you can, if you wish, participate in the monthly recurring thing called memberships. Uh, And if you really, really, really want to, you can contribute to the things called the wish list. Which has a couple of technology wishlist things like, you know, better mixer, some better mics, but also the wishlist thing of a couple of special episodes that we would add to our main feed by watching the non-canonical animated series Stargate Infinity. But Infinity, only if that funds. Infinity. And if uh, if it does fund, we'll watch the next two episodes and then post our reaction uh, podcasts as we normally do uh, to the main feed. But that's that's how that's going to happen. And friends. If you have anybody in your life who needs just, a, just fantastically delicious Stargate content like this, uh, you can tell them that they can find our podcast. Uh, short version is kind of like anywhere. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, iHeartRadio Podcasts. Uh, there's a player on our website. Uh, they can use a podcast aggregator like Overcast or Pocket Casts or Stitcher or some of the other ones and search for Walking Through the Stargate. They will find us and... They will be able to listen to us. And if you are one of those friends, hello, hi, hello. You probably are listening to episodes from forever ago, not this one, but maybe you're listening to this one. It's good to have you here. There you go. So, Zach. Yes, Brent. If a person wants to let us know, hey, hi, yes, indeed, I am new here. And I got told all about y'all because one of my friends said, that I should listen to this podcast, and they told me that I could find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, iHeartRadio Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, podcast aggregators, and or the website. How might they reach out and uh, let us know all that detail? Well, if one of your friends <clears throat> has brought you into this joy of a community that we call yes. the Walking Through the Stargate community, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, a.k.a. I have no idea. Gatewalkers. I mean, I kind of oh yeah, that was that out there like like a long time ago. But yeah, I don't we know tried if to make really that a stuck. thing. Yeah, but, I don't. Hey, I don't know. I'll bring it back. <laughs> We're gatewalkers. <laughs> if you have just recently joined the gatewalking community, and it's because <laughs> one of your friends has told you all about this podcast, then please let us know by email us emailing us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com, or you can go to the Facebooks. And the groups and the pages and all of those stuff and say, hey, I'm here because my friend so-and-so just sent me here. And this is awesome. Or if you found us all, because I want to be equal opportunity here, right? If you found us all on your own, you can tell us that too. Uh, You can also go to the discords uh, and talk to us there and have fun conversations about all sorts of different things, both Stargate and non-Stargate alike. Oh, yeah. And if you don't know how to get hold of our discord, you can go to our website, which is Brent. WTTS.space. Space. Just like that. Yeah. Uh, but only one A. There's not like like seven A's there. Don't do that because that will not get you to the right place. It will definitely give you a 
some kind of an error. Let's see what yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna figure that out. You keep going. I'm gonna okay. figure out what happens if you So do as that. Brett continues that, so you can go to the website WTTS.space. Space! And then on the upper right hand corner, you can click on the Discord link and that'll take you to the Discord saying you can join us there. And of course, as Brent says, you can of course go to bar and buy me a coffee and do all of that stuff. Uh, so Brent, what happens when you go WTTS.space? Well, what happened at first was that because of the browser I was using, it assumed that I was putting in a search query and it was all like, well, did you mean WTTS.space? Because that's a thing. Uh, but uh, there it, it can't the browser can't find the server WTTS.space. So, you know, if you try that, you're going to get nowhere fast. But if what you did is, you know, in order to get that to happen, I had to put in literally HTTPS colon slash slash WTTS.space. That's how I got the error. If you just go to your browser and you type it because odds are great that it'll assume that you're just doing a search. And if you did WTTS.space, what it'll do is it'll do a search and it'll be all like, well, in this case, it did. It's definitely a whole lot of not WTTS that space. Anyway, whatever. It, it, thanks for going along in this ride with us, friends. This is what our podcast is all about. It's not about Stargate. It's about what happens when you put in random <laughs> URLs. So the, 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 the point you need to get out of this <laughs> is that if this is the kind of podcasting you want to hear, you're in the right spot. Yes. This is definitely and if the you've got friends who want to hear the same type of stuff, then you should get them to come and listen as well, because yes. that's where this is. Yes. All right. So, Brent, uh, as you mentioned at the top of the show, we got seven more episodes before we get to the big 200 special. Yeah, episode. that's right. So uh, make your pop sock puppets um, and send Record make your your videos and send yep. them in questions. You can ask us anything. Yep. Um, at all. Uh, yeah. The sky's the limit. Yeah. The, the galaxy. No, no. Like, like the universe is the limit, right? If you, you yes, you, you could know, even and, ask us a question that is on your like theoretical physics homework. You could ask us that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll give you an answer. Exactly. It might not be right. Exactly. <laughs> but I'll give you an answer. Sure. The square root of negative four. Uh. Well, I think that's imaginary. Well, I said I'd give you an answer. Yep. It was correct. In any case, we're not at 200 yet. We're at 193. Yes. And for 193, we are talking about Stargate SG-1's episode Origin. Yeah. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay. So the director for this episode is none other than Brad Turner himself. Yeah. We've heard his name several times over the course of the series. Uh, He pops in every once in a while and does an episode or two and then... Pops out. Um, this is his first of two directing credits this season, so we'll hear his name pop up again. Very no, good. This is Brad Turner, not Brad Wright. Brad yeah. Wright the, is the, the, the showrunner, and Brad Turner is, is the director. Anyway, yes. the teleplay for this episode is by Robert C. Cooper. Yeah. This is his third of four episodes this season. He did mm-hmm. Avalon Part 1 and Part mm-hmm. 2. Mm-hmm. We have a whole host of guest actors. Sure do. Uh, we have to say hello again to Claudia Black as Vala Maldoran, Gary uh-huh. Jones as Chief Master Sergeant Walter slash Radar Airman. Yeah. Bill Dow as Dr. Bill Lee. Richard mm-hmm. Dean Anderson makes an appearance as Major yeah. General Jack O'Neill. Uh-huh. Mark Houghton as the Ori Pryor. This is yeah. the first one we meet. April Tellick as Salas. Stephen Park as Herod. Yeah. yeah. Paul Moniz de Sa as Fanis. Yeah. Lexa Doig as Dr. Carolyn Ram. Yep. Lamb. Lamb, yep. Uh, Greg Anderson as the Ori Administrator slash mm-hmm. Ori Prior 3 at the very end. Yes. 
Yes. Yes. Um, I don't think he's actually credited as Ori Prior 3, but I just added that because yeah. I can. Yep. Uh, then we have to say hello to Larry Cedar, who is the second Ori Prior. Mm-hmm. And Larry has a very nice mini biography by Anonymous. I see that it is literally A.Nonymous. Yes, yes, yes. And that's exactly how it appears on IMDb as yeah. of yesterday. Yes. Uh, which is why. <laughs> so somebody should make this. A somebody non- is is a it should, you. You two should be friends because that is exactly the kind of joke. Well, me too. But, you know, I'm just saying. Well, you so know, what so, does uh, Anonymous you know, have to you say? Know, maybe, maybe there really is a guy named Anonymous out there. I guess that's possible. And, and his first name's like Albert or something. Yeah. I mean, you know, don't don't judge. Anyway, yeah. Albert yeah. writes this. He's now Albert in my head. Yeah. Albert Anonymous. Yep. Larry Cedar is an accomplished film, television, stage, and voiceover act artist, best known for his portrayal of opium addict Leon Stallsworth in the HBO series Deadwood. Mm. Admitted to Hastings Law School after earning his BA in Communication Studies. The course of his life was dramatically altered when he impulsively decided to audition for and was accepted into the MFA theater program at UCLA. <laughs> sure, I'll give this a shot. Oh, my gosh, I got accepted. <laughs> Whoa. There, he participated in and won the Hugh O'Brien Acting Competition Award for Best Actor and was subsequently signed to an exclusive one-year artist development contract with Universal Studios, wow, where all right. he ultimately landed his first television pilot. That's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. He went on to star in several Disney movies, as well as hundreds of television episodes and feature films, including a starring role opposite Rebecca De Mornay uh, and Mary Gross in the Ivan Reitman production, uh, Ivan Reitman produced Feds. And an unforgettable performance opposite John Lithgow as the creature on the wing in Steven Spielberg's feature remake, Twilight Zone, the movie. That's cool. Yeah. Larry spent six years in New York starring in the award-winning PBS series Square One Television. Oh, yeah. Oh, cool. And later starred in 40 episodes of the Fox television series AJ's Time Travelers, produced by Gianni Russo. A.K.A. Carlo the Godfather. Yeah. Yeah. An excellent singer. He has portrayed uh, Hoagie Carmichael in Hoagie, Bix, and Wolfgang Beethoven Bunkhouse at the Mark <laughs> Taper. Okay. Wow. Yeah, I was going to say, that's a lot of... <laughs> Go Do that again. Okay, so he, he has portrayed Hoagie Carmichael in Hoagie, Bix, and Wolfgang Beethoven Bunkhouse uh-huh. at the Mark Taper Forum in Los Angeles. Uh, you know, like parentheses or like like quotation marks or some sort of like punctuation would be helpful there. Uh huh. But it wasn't there anyway. Uh, he did that. At least he starred as Vernon opposite Lee Thompson in their playing our song, and as Secretary Thompson in 1776, the musical opposite Roger Reese. Hmm. Uh, he's got various awards. He excels in the field of voiceovers. I'm speeding through this. Because this gets long. He I'm has doing... a wide-ranging vocal characterization to hundreds of stuff. Um, all right. So, he also has specialized in the art of speed talking, going by the nickname Disclaimer Man. Uh-huh. And for the last several years, at least according <laughs> to this, has been the voice of Volkswagen radio commercial Legal Disclaimers. 
Sold. I was listening, so I I had because of uh, streaming music, I barely listen to the radio anymore. Um, and uh, I I had a chance, I had it on, and they had one of those legal disclaimers at the start of like a television or uh, sorry, uh, like a car sale commercial or whatever. It was getting a little. I knew that they were using uh, post production to get that thing sped up as fast as they could, so it was barely intelligible. Right. I am Zach. I am not kidding. You know, I have a tendency to talk fast, and therefore, I can I can understand when fast talking is happening back at me. This was completely right. complete. There is no way. <laughs> This commercial was fitting the legal guidelines of notice or whatever, you know, whatever <laughs> obligation these advertisers have to have to put these words in at some point in the ad, because it was just garbage. It was so, it was hilariously just so fast. It was just it was comically fast. That's my story. There you go. And then I found five dollars. Sweet. Yeah. You know, five dollars is five dollars. You yeah. can buy Almost a cup of coffee with it. Uh, depending on where I go, sure. Yeah. All right. So um, he also voiced some of the characters in Star Wars The Old Republic video game. Ah. I saw that. I'm like, oh, I played that. Yeah. It's one of the too. relatively few video games that I've actually played. Uh-huh. <laughs> so um, Larry's first IMDb credit came in 1978 in the TV series Battlestar Galactica. Ooh, Yeah, he nice. plays Cadet Shields uh-huh. in the episode Gun on Ice Planet Zero. Why, ah. why did that autocorrect to dice? Maybe it's Dice Planet Zero. <laughs> no, it was actually Ice Planet Zero. I remember that. I, I'm anyway. going to pretend it was dice. But anyway. you, you, you're welcome to do that. <laughs> you are welcome to do that. And if anybody wants to, you know, get me something for Christmas, I'm in the market for a big giant bag of like 300 dice wow okay i mean just because i want it not because i actually need it but, you know <laughs> you know <laughs> all right anyway so moving on we have julian sands who plays the docile uh-huh and this is a mini biography by blythe 379 at cs.com very good yeah I, I guess i guess we could email this person we could I'm not going to. But if you wanted to. Uh, is CS is CS CompuServe? We we might not be able to email this person. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I doubt it because uh, he does talk about. Um, it is. And guess what, Zach? Is it still valid? Yeah. You could say, well, I don't know if the email is still valid, but like if you go to CS.com, it takes you to CompuServe. Well, wow, man. Well, and this cool. page, I mean, like it's current. Wow, but it's like still, it's still like in the style. This thing looks like it came straight out of 2004. Nice. Yeah, but it's got current stuff all over the, wow. Anyway, all right. Well, so, so the Fun guy, the Bly 379 yeah. had to have updated this within the past year. Uh-huh. Um, because of what we'll get to at the, be, at the end of this mini bio. Okay. So, Julian Sands. Tall, gaunt, and particularly effective in horror and drama films, British actor Julian Sands was born in Otley, Leeds, West Yorkshire, to Brenda and William Sands. Uh He came to the attention of NBC when the network cast him in the TV miniseries The Sun Also Rises in 1984. And then with Anthony Hopkins in the television film A Married Man in 1983. Mm Mm-hmm. 
I don't know how that... Uh, okay, anyway. Uh, there's some time travel going on there, clearly. Sands also yes. got yes. noticed <laughs> for his very small roles in Privates on Parade and The Killing Fields. It wasn't until his funny and romantic role opposite Denholm Elliott in A Room with a View in 85, and then his unusual role in Gothic... 1986, that he oh. garnered audience acclaim. Mm-hmm, okay. He continued work on screen, in vi- on screen in vibes, impromptu, arachnophobia, uh, and then as Warlock, uh, as until his most remembered role as Warlock, directed by, I guess that might must be the name of the movie and his character name. I, I suppose that might, he might have been the t- the titular Warlock. The titular Warlock. Um. Anyway, uh, Blythe, your your grammar needs some work. Yeah. Well, we uh, can the film. Uh, yeah, I could. I could do that. <laughs> the film was a major success, and he returned for the sequel, Warlock the Armageddon. Ooh. Ooh. Other credits include Naked Lunch, oh. Tale of a Vampire, and the title role in Dario Argento's The Phantom of the Opera. All right, cool. Cool. Sands has more recently been in Stephen King's Red Rose in 2002, so this is kind of old, uh, and was occasionally seen on the English stage. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I think that that's what, what Blythe wrote, and then somebody added this, which is appropriate. Okay. Sands disappeared on January 13, 2023, oh, after no. going for a hike near the Mount Baldy area of California's San Bernardino Mountains. Local authorities and search and rescue teams concluded over six weeks of multiple ground and aerial searches, which were unsuccessful. On June 24, 2023, hikers near Mount Baldy discovered human remains. And on the 27th of June, 2023, local authorities confirmed the remains to be those of Sands. He was 65 years old. Wow. That's, that's as we speak, <laughs> oh, new, right? Yeah. Uh, and in fact, okay. uh, Brent... This is was hidden from you because this is in the spoiler stuck section. Uh, but when this was going down um, in in the early part of this calendar year, yeah, uh, people on Discord and such were talking about this. Um, and uh, oh, yeah, and, okay. And so you know, th- this was something that that our community knew about and was deeply saddened about. Oh, uh, and now, uh, now that you know who this guy is and what's going on, um, you are inducted. Yeah, thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> wow, uh, that's kind of it. Yeah, oof, woof. Yeah, yeah. It was it was kind of a shocking thing to to hear about this. Um, but uh, yep, yeah. It was it, it was fun go. to. It was good to see him in this episode. I thought yes. it was a good good character. Uh, his first IMDb credit came in 1982 in the TV series Play for Today when he plays Groom. In the episode Soft Targets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very nice. Then we need, need to turn our gears to none other than Lewis Gossett Jr., who plays Garrick. Yeah. Uh, first thing I have to do is acknowledge that last time we were talking, I, I misspelled Garrick. I was thinking it was G-A-R-E-K, and it's G-E-R-A-K. And I know that makes a huge difference. But in either Such case, it's difference. not G-A-R-A-K, as in Garrick from Deep Space Nine. Yes. <laughs> and boy, is this character not at all a simple tailor. No, he is not. No. Uh, but he does have some pretty serious furs. Yes, he does. All right. 
So this mini bio is from The Honing Company. Uh-huh. Louis Gossett Jr. is one of the most respected and beloved actors on stage, screen, and television, and is also an accomplished writer, producer, and director. Mm-hmm. Off-screen, he is a social act- activist, educator, and author dedicated to enriching the lives of others. Mm-hmm. Gossett was the first African-American to win the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor for his unforgettable performance as Drill Sergeant M.L. Foley in An Officer and a Gentleman. Uh-huh. Among his other awards are an Emmy for Outstanding Lead Actor for his portrayal of Fiddler in the groundbreaking ABC series Roots. Uh-huh, okay. A Golden Globe for Best Performance by an Actor in a Supporting Role for the Josephine Baker Story. Mm-hmm. And a Golden Globe for An Officer and a Gentleman. Very nice. He has been nominated for seven Primetime Emmy Awards, three Golden Globes, one Academy Award, five Image Awards, two Daytime Emmy Awards, and in 1992 received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Mm -hmm. Gossett has also received numerous other honors throughout his illustrious career. His film debut was in the 1961 classic movie A Raisin in the Sun with Sidney Poitier. Poitier. Mm -hmm. Poitier, yeah. Yeah. That's okay. You were just reading. I was. Yep. Anyway, uh, other film credits include The Deep, Blue Chips, Daddy's Little Girl, Tyler Perry's Why Did I Get Married To, (laughs) Firewalker, Jaws 3D, Enemy Mine, and Iron Eagle. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think, oh, uh, Iron Eagle 1 through 4. Are there four of them? Wow, I don't know. know. (laughs) Let me look that up. Television credits include Extent, Madam Secretary, Boardwalk Empire, Family Guy, and ER, among dozens of other shows. Mm-hmm. Gossett is the author of the best-selling autobiography, An Actor and a Gentleman, in which he chronicles the challenges and triumphs of his 50-plus year career. Gossett is recognized as much for his humanitarian efforts as he is for his accomplishments as an actor. Mm-hmm. In 2006, Gossett founded the E-Racism Foundation, which is a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to eradicating racism. Mm-hmm. The foundation provides young adults with tools to live a racially diverse and culturally inclusive life. Programs focus on fostering cultural diversity, historical enrichment, education, and anti violence in- initiatives. Mm-hmm. Gossett was born in Brooklyn and made his stage debut when he was 17 in Take a Giant Step which was selected as one of the 10 best Broadway shows of 1953 by the New York Times. He has two adult sons and resides in Malibu, California. So, a couple of things about uh, Lou Gossett Jr. Yeah. He was originally cast as Gail Sayers in the TV movie Brian's Song in 1971, mm-hmm. uh, but just days before shooting began, he tore his Achilles tendon, and so then they quickly uh, scrambled and hired Billy D. Williams for that uh, role. Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, Gossett was apparently very depressed after that about missing his shot, but was promised by David Wolper, the producer, that the first great role that came along, he would get it. Yep. About six years later, Wolper called Gossett to play Fiddler in Roots. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, I did look up Iron Eagle. Yep. There are four of them. Okay. And it appears that all four of them are train wrecks. But uh, okay. Lewis Gossett Jr. appears as the only actor to appear in all four. Well, there you go. Yeah. See, if, if you know, he's good, but he's not that good. 
Uh, he's probably good, but not good enough to to uh, make a, a terrible uh, franchise actually worthwhile. That's true. Okay. So, uh, as I was looking at his uh, list of credits, he's got 12 upcoming credits as we record this in late 2023. Wow. Nice. I'm like, dang. He's working hard. Yeah. Um, and he has almost 200 credits on <laughs> IMDb. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not, and that doesn't include the 12 that are upcoming. He's, he's, he's working, man. Yep. So his first IMDb credit came in 1957 and 58 in the TV series, The Big Story. Mm-hmm. Uh, he plays two different characters in two different episodes, Mac and Jamie Goodwin in Bob Thomas of the Philadelphia Inquirer and the Stubbornest Man. Huh, okay. Uh, I have no idea what the big story is about. I'm guessing that it's a story about, like, like it's a like a historical reenactment type of thing. That that's just kind of what I get the feel of. But I could be completely wrong. Yeah, I don't know. I have absolutely no idea. No, no. All right. Anyway, the original air date for uh, Origin was July 29, 2005. Uh huh. We are just weeks away from you and I meeting at this point in time. <laughs> I know, I know. It's so exciting. <laughs> it is. That was, wow. <laughs> so people were boring this, this week in listening to music because they were still listening to Mariah Carey in the U.S. Uh-huh. They were still listening to James Blunt. Yeah. You're beautiful. Oh, boy. Um, so, but what were they, list- where were they listening to You're Beautiful? In a wedding. And what oh. do you need in a wedding? Crashers. Uh-huh. Wedding crashers, right? Yeah. Yep. And you know who else crashes things? Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yes. Sure. That's true. You no, know, it happens. Yes. And, and, mm-hmm. and you know, you know, and, and, and when you're flying high, what do you need? You need sky high. Um, you know, that this yeah. is this is actually a place where you learn things. I like was just thinking of the great glass elevator, yeah. Yeah. Yep. yep. You learn about stealth and sky high, and you learn about sure. how since you're so high up there, you learn how that you must love dogs. <laughs> I gotta tell you, I have to tell you that the first four were actually as as un um as impossible as it was seeming. They were actually clicking together, but the fifth one didn't work. <laughs> come on, come on. So, 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 like like all dogs go to heaven, sky high, like close to heaven. Uh, Must love dogs. That that is come on. Yeah, yeah okay, I'll get. I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. Give there it. you go. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, what was happening on and around this date? Well, on July 26, Mumbai receives 99.5 centimeters of rain, uh, which for all of you uh, standard or imperial standard uh, people, that's a little over 39 inches of rain Jeez. within 24 hours. That, that is a lot of rain. That's a <laughs> lot of rain. Holy smokes. Uh, suffice it to say, that brings Mumbai to a halt for over two days. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. Also on the 26th, uh, on the 26th, Space Shuttle Program STS-114 mission, uh, the launch of Discovery was scheduled. This is NASA's first scheduled flight mission after the Columbia disaster in 2003. However, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they, they, they don't actually send it off, and they still don't send it off uh, on the 27th. Because they're dealing with problems with the foam shielding and such, which is actually what happened to the Columbia. Yes. And they didn't want that to happen again. No. And so they, they, they waited and delayed and then they think yep. it's appropriate. 
Yep. Um, if I recall correctly, uh, uh, the Discovery's launch, they, they launched and they came back without any problems. Uh, yes, that was that is correct. Um, they also did a thing, I think it was to the uh, space station, if I remember right, um, because they did this like flippy do uh, on purpose with people like, you know, recording camera images from the space from from the ISS with the sole purpose of sending that data back down for people to review and make sure that all the all the heating tiles were in good order oh, yeah, before yeah, they yeah, attempted yeah. to come back in. Yeah. Which, you know, is is a good good process there for people. Yes. Yeah. I think that what was uh, what was being revealed here was that uh, that, uh, the, the, you know, as much as I so I grew up just loving the space shuttle and the concept of the space shuttle. But, you know, when it was announced that they were grounding it, it was like, you know, hindsight being 2020, even though at the time it's just like, no, no, come on, we're we can do this It's just like, no, yeah, having having your return vehicle be strapped to the side of your launch vehicle, it it it, it creates challenges that you don't necessarily need to deal with. <laughs> like, yeah, you don't, you don't need to be downwind of your thing that's shedding material. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a choice that you can avoid yep well i'm just hopeful that the u.s space program that is beginning to decide to start up again um will actually be successful yeah but no we'll the artemis thing happens. is it's yeah you know for those space nerds out there that you all know but the artemis mission currently is like yeah this vehicle is also kind of a piece of junk and very expensive but 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 zach this morning yeah uh even though <laughs> Boy, do I have complex opinions about billionaires, but SpaceX did successfully launch the largest rocket ever constructed. Huh. And uh, while they did not achieve the uh, total amount of goals that they had for this particular launch, they did achieve a number of them. And so, uh, it, again, it's first thing this morning. So, you know, a lot of information still has yet to come. But for me, big old space nerd, I was I was up this morning bright and early watching that thing take off. So. Yeah, um, you know, uh, the, the complexities of billionaires on this planet, notwithstanding, um, it is, I think, a good thing for uh, the, the human curiosity that, uh, that, that our space exploration is moved uh, yeah, beyond, not, 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 not just outside the governmental sphere, but beyond it. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it's a both and and yeah, not oh, a yeah, one yeah. only. No, there's plenty. I'll go. You know, I'll, I'll save the ramp. But the short version is, I think there's plenty of room for extremely experimental things to be taken on as a society, as in like with government funding. And then after we do that, it's like, yeah, why do we need to keep doing that? Like with government money, we don't have to do that. We can, let's do something different. And again, stretching with you know, we can we can let others do this part. Yeah. All right. So uh, that was space shuttle discovery on yeah. July 28. Oh yeah, we're still doing this. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> This is the episode where we go off track I on more than one so. occasion. <laughs> on July 28th, the Provisional Irish Republican Army calls an end to their 30-year-long armed campaign in Northern Ireland. Ah, uh, yes, I do remember that. Yep. And then on July 29, this is the date of this episode, astronomers announced that they discovered the dwarf planet Eris. We are not yet to the point where they decided to demote Pluto to a dwarf planet, but um, when we get there, hold on to your butts. Oh, are, do you do you have opinions? Oh, 
<laughs> anyway, carry on. Okay, so, uh, anyway, uh, not a whole lot of trivia for this episode, just a uh, curiosity that uh, Gary Jones and Julian Sands were both born on the same day, uh, January 4, 1958. Huh, neat. Um, the exterior scenes on P3X421 were filmed at the Richmond Sand Dunes, which they've been many, many times. Yep. Uh uh, last week, I think, or maybe the time before, we talked about uh, the the giant set, which was the town, uh, right? Yeah, yes, that's oh, right. So one of the th- reasons that they built that standing set for all sorts of different things for season nine, and then they redressed it for season 10, is that a lot of their on-site filming places, like the Richmond Sand Dunes, various uh, forests and, and other areas, are were, were like shrinking. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. As Vancouver was growing. Yeah. And, you know, at this point in time, like, like when the show started in 97, the sand dunes were he- relatively huge mm. and you could do a lot with them. Uh, by the time this episode airs, um, the sand dunes was basically just one little tiny horseshoe. So, like, you got, you got this space. Yep. You, right you could put, you could put like six tents from all of the episodes with, uh, with the uh, Abydos. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, people, the, the, that that thing you could put up your Stargate in one corner, and you know you could do an over the shoulder shot, and that's all you got. That's all you got. <laughs> you can't. That's it. Do not turn that camera three degrees because then you're going to be seeing a big old Earth mover. Yep. Yep. Um. And so one of the things that they realized is that uh, if they were going to go off world and have, then you know they're going to have to be able to do that on a stage because. The places available to them for off-worlds yeah. uh, were, were diminishing. Um, let's see. This episode was nominated for a Gemini Award for Best Achievement in Makeup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally buy that. Yep. And then this episode in the title of this episode in other languages, right? The Spanish and the Czech and the Hungarians all call it origin. The Russians call it descent. Not certain where that's coming from. Hmm. Okay. Um, the Italians call it the gods of fire. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. the French, the book of origins. Yeah. And the German apparently have two different titles, one for the DVD and one for TV. Oh, interesting. Uh, on the DVD, they call it the origin. Die, okay. Her- die the Herkunft. Uh-huh. Uh, I apologize for all of our German listeners. I <laughs> did not pronounce that very well. You could just blame it on regionalism. Uh, you, you know, well, you know, I am a regionalist here. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. <laughs> we'll get to, well, let's define it later. <laughs> yeah. But for the TV, apparently, uh, they called this episode the secret of the Ori. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's better. Yeah. All right. So that's what I got. Uh, synopsis time. Are synopsis. you ready? Yeah. Let's dive into this thing. All right. Previously on Stargate SG-1. Vala Maldoran comes to the Stargate Command with a tablet written by the ancient Merlin and uses Cormac bracelets to link herself with Daniel. The tablet leads to a cave under Glastonbury Tor, where Jackson finds the Alteran history book and a long-range communication device. The device takes Jackson and Vala to another galaxy, where they meet the worshippers of the Ori. They also encounter the anti-Ori underground, and Vala is burned alive for heresy, but revived by a prior. And now. Yeah. Squeezing in... One paragraph. Yeah. <laughs> 90 minutes of television. Yeah, that was good. Uh, Daniel and Vala are taken to the plains of Celestis by the prior who revived Vala. They are left in a dining hall with a copy of the Book of Origin large print edition. 
<laughs> for all of our aging eyes. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. I resemble oh, yeah, my park. <laughs> You're not going to hear any comments from me. Yeah. All right. Uh, and Daniel decides that he should start reading. Fortunately, it's written in ancient so he can read it. Yeah. Impressive. Yes. Um, meanwhile, the gate opens on a planet somewhere in the Milky Way. Uh, you know, that, that planet that was uh, looking up here. Uh, where is it? Where is it? There it is. P3X421. Uh-huh. Yes. Right. Uh, and a prior steps through. Hallowed are the Ori. Yeah. Okay. Oh, no. Back to Daniel and Vala. The prior returns and starts talking about those who have strayed from the path and enlightenment and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Daniel wants to see the uh, the, uh, the the doci, uh, the the chief prior, the, mm-hmm. the the voice of the Ori, or whatever it is. So the prior escorts him away, and Vala is left in the dining room. I'll just stay here, thank you. Uh, the doci shows Daniel the flames of enlightenment, which seems to be a big giant pit with flames, making a big wall of <laughs> well flames. Uh huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Hallowed are the Ori. All will know the power of the Ori. For his part, Daniel acknowledges that the Ori have power, but that he will never worship them as gods. Mm-hmm. Now, back at the SGC, General Landry orders Mitchell and SG-12 to investigate this guy in gray who's peddling a new religion. Not that we have a problem with new religions. No, 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 we don't have any no, problems no, 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 with No problem with new... <laughs> Eventually, they will bring this prior back to the SGC, but... Before that, Landry talks to Teal'c about the situation with the Free Jaffa and invites the uh, Chancellor or whatever his title is, I can't remember, uh, of the Free Jaffa, Garrick, to come for a visit. Mm-hmm. Garrick arrives and they talk about mutual goals, alliances, get to know you stuff, etc. You know, they certainly don't do any trust falls. Mm. You know, no, no, <laughs> you know, team building exercises, none of that. No. Uh, because that would be crazy. No, no, not, not the magic floating broomstick one? No, nope, none of that. Yeah. So, but for his part, part, Garrick seems more interested in what that false prophet might be saying. And if he's saying the wrong things, then he will be dealt with. Uh-huh. That said, Garrick seems intrigued when he actually hears the prior's pitch. After all, all Jaffa have been looking for enlightenment, and that's what this guy's selling. So, hmm, interesting. Mm-hmm. Daniel returns to Vala and explains to the audience, with Vala as our proxy, that... The Ori are, in fact, ascended beings with a different philosophical approach than our ascended beings. These Ori feel that their ascension entitles them to be worshipped by all humans. Also, priors have been dispatched to the Milky Way. Uh, Anyone who doesn't accept origin is an unbeliever and will be cleansed, a.k.a. killed. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Which is a fancy, you know, well, you know, you know, it'll it'll be, you know, nice and warm. No. <laughs> can't say you're cold <laughs> it's, it's it's we're gonna do the exact opposite for what we did with um with apophis not apophis with uh with an, anubis anubis <laughs> see yeah, now we, that they're both dead i I'm, oh i'm so sorry friends i'm sorry <sighs> i've been doing this for years and i still got them screwed up okay carry on no so so um yeah, okay, I'll, I'll take the tangent here, right? The reality is that that the Guawuld were were villains and villainous, yeah. Yeah. but they, even from the very beginning, they had a lot of power, but they never scared me. 
Oh, yeah. No, no. They were always not hilarious, but like, you know, I don't know, man. I thought we were. I was having some good laughs there at the beginning. (laughs) Yeah. You know, so um, I think that uh, we'll get to it here in a little bit. But I think the Ori do change that perception, change uh, that that uh, imagination of, of the villain for Stargate. We will get there. But the short version is I agree. All right. So. Also, the Ori want to kill the ancients because they're evil beings who turn people away from the path. Mm-hmm. You know, you, anyone who denies the lower beings, the cool things that we can do should be is evil. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. So up until now, the ancients, however, have protected the Milky Way galaxy from the Ori's knowledge. Mm-hmm. You know, inf- knowledge, infinite universes, infinite, all that stuff. Right. But now that the Ori know about the galaxy, thanks, Daniel Jackson and Vala, <laughs> the Ori are now sending priors to, yeah. the ga- to the Milky Way, and that is fair game. The priors are heavily invo- evolved humans, but they are still just humans. Mm-hmm. Mm. So Daniel and Vala are returned to the village. Uh, from the Ori's perspective, they are bait for any other unbelievers who are corrupting the path. Now, Fannis sneaks to Herod and Salas's house. Fannis reveals that they also have a long-range communication device to go along with the stones. Now, despite the danger, he takes Daniel and Vala to it. And so they use it, uh, briefly causing some kind of connection where Daniel and Vala's bodies back at the SGC wake up and begin talking. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, what did I write here? But tall this is... But oh, all, all okay. this, but all this, but all this is stifled when a prior arrives and kills Fannis yeah. and the communication device. Well, oh, dear. He doesn't Our kill heroes. The communi- what? Does he kill the communication? I guess he does. Yeah. He blows yeah. it, it up. It stops. Oh, does it blow up? Oh, well, okay. I don't know. If he, 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 it, 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 it stops working. It stops communicating. It stops. I, I, I'd have to watch it again. And but Fannis I, I stops think- communicating. Also, Fannis so, so also stops Fannis communicating. Fannis stops communicating, too. <laughs> <laughs> this, my friends, is what you call gallows humor. Uh-huh. Yes. So, our heroes are taken to the Ara, or the Pyre, or, you know, the burn pit, or whatever you want to call it, <laughs> to be burned to death. <laughs> A second time. Oh, sorry. That's the joke right in there. Ah, oh, dang it. <laughs> for Vala, second time's the charm, right? Uh, sorry for Thanks, stealing it. Brent. Thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. So, back at the SGC, having received a message from, presumably, Herod and Salas about the Priors, Mitchell goes to arrest the Prior that they have and take his staff. Yeah. Garrick is astonished that they would try to stop this Prior while they're having such a very nice chat. Mm-hmm. But none of this seems to phase the Prior, who telekinetically takes his staff back and then proceeds to immolate himself in a big fireball that doesn't even scorch the rug. Very considerate. It's very impressive. Now, Daniel and Vala are going to be burned alive, which kind of sucks for them. Their heart rates begin to rise. Their stress levels are going through the roof. Mm -hmm. Understandably so. Yep. The two cannot be disconnected from the communication device, but Mitchell has a plan. He and Tilt grab the device and start running to the gate. Walter, begin dialing the gate to somewhere, doesn't matter where. And just as the kawoosh is about to kawoosh, our heroes toss the device into the kawoosh, which is swallowed up by the kawoosh, and then, then, oh, okay, so all of that stuff, the, the, the connection between Daniel and Jackson, Daniel and Vala breaks, and they wake up in their own bodies, which is great for them. Yeah. Unfortunately, Salad and Halas, Salad? Salad and Halas. <laughs> <laughs> 
Unfortunately, the greens and dressing, they don't make it. Yeah. Herod and Salus return to their bodies and are burned alive. Oh. <sighs> Apparently, there was a, a cut scene there where they turn to each other, realize what's going on, and they say, I love you, or something to that effect. Um, and they decided that was, they were also running long in the show, so they decided to cut that, because it really wasn't necessary. Yeah. But, but you know, it really sucks. Imagine waking up. I, I, no. <sighs> well, anyway. like, 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 first you wake up, and you're seeing a strange doctor, and all of his stuff, and apparently you have the wherewithal to say, oh, by the way, the priors are bad, which yeah. is great for them. And then you go back to sleep and then you wake up on fire. <sighs> yeah. Anyway. All right. So back to the synopsis. Back at Celestis, at the request of the doci, the administrator comes to the flames of enlightenment where yeah. he is transformed into a prior. Ah, uh -huh. the ori. The doci says that the great holy armies will be gathered to fight the evil and that ships shall be built to send warriors across the stars. All will accept origin or die. Or die. Die. <laughs> yep, yep. Complete with cackle. No, he didn't. Ca yes, he didn't yes. Cackle. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta bring your own cackle. You gotta bring your own cackle. <laughs> BYOC. You, you, you don't get cackles for free. You got to no, 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 no. You, they even charge you a bottling service for it. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Yeah. Uh, is it like the air from Spaceballs? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Okay. <laughs> just, just checking. So as the episode concludes, Vala releases Daniel from the Cormac bracelets and the whole team discuss what the ancients will do with this new threat. Yeah. They will likely continue to prevent the Ori from directly interfering with this galaxy, but that won't stop the Priors and their message from infecting... Uh, not that we have a problem with other religions. No, we don't have a problem. Uh, uh, the galaxy. Yeah. So then General O'Neill stops to say hi to Daniel. And Daniel admits to him that he's actually scared of what might come next, mm -hmm. because these guys are, like, genuinely scary. And then O'Neill invites Mitchell to fly an F-302 again for the first time since he crashed in Antarctica. Mitchell is going to be okay, and oh, hopefully good. he won't have to rebuild SG-1 from scratch. Aha, okie dokie. The end. The end. All right, Brent. Yeah. Uh, we have finished the synopsis. Not with, you know, we had several turns and twists there, but that's yeah. okay. And so now I ask you, because this is the time of the podcast when I do this. Mm hmm What did you think about Origin? I, yeah. Um, the episode, boy, not the religion, or well, or both. Well, I don't know much about the religion yet, but um, the episode they boy did they have a tough time landing that bird. Boy, oh boy, I thought it was I I really like where they're going with this. I think there's some there's some challenges in here, but I really 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 like the big picture idea that they're bringing right now, mm -hmm. like a lot. I think it's a, I think there's a lot of meat on that bone, but. Um, man, this episode ended weird. Like, 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 what was it with Bo Bridges looking at everybody going, we're going to, we're going to square off our strengths against their weaknesses. Like that is the biggest bunch of corporate BS I have heard in a long <laughs> time. My friends, you don't even know what their weaknesses are. Like, like <laughs> what strengths do we have? Let's see here. C4. Uh, some more C4. Like, no, we've got some better stuff than that. But like, you know, from from like, yeah, I I think I'm gonna do that thing 
and I just decided this just now. You know how every now and again, Zach, we watch an episode and I'm like, dang, that was really good. But the last like three minutes, like just really didn't work for me at all. And so I just decided to kind of ignore them. Right. Like I, I, I might end up doing that here because the last few minutes really didn't do anything for the story. Not at all. It was absolutely just some way that they could find to actually roll credits. <laughs> like, they, they were searching for any way down from the story at this point in a way that wasn't yet another cliffhanger. And so they decided to come down the these these weirdo ladders of like, you know, having the prior like like also. I, <clears throat> yeah. I think in those last few minutes was even the line that Mitchell ended up saying something to the tune of like, you know, like these priors might be making one way trips Um, that self immolation scene from my point of view looked like he went back. Uh, There was nothing left. There was nothing left. So that's not him burning up. That's him leaving. Right. Like, I don't know if that's going to be true or what. I don't care. At the moment, it's like, I don't know. He, he, from, from what I can tell, he he, he 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 found a different way to travel other than the Stargate. And yeah, there you go. Th- and that's that's like bringing it back to the good parts. Like, that's all right. Like, as in, like, this is this is this is a good I think this is a good, like, launching point of an entirely different story that is related to Stargate, but is different than this like version of how can we make the ghoul world bad how can we make the ghoul world worse what can we put in the way to make the ghoul world look a little like also on their back foot like you know what i mean like it was all about the ghoul world it makes sense like you know you're making a movie back in 1994 or whatever it was mm-hmm. and you know you got yourself a decent story and it certainly gives you two hours worth of entertainment there and it's this idea of aliens using the, the pyramids as landing bases and then there's this whole like story but you know like it's it's fun it's it's a good it's a fun story and then you decide that you want to make a television show off of it and you're like you know what this is this is popular this is this is uh, an ip that we can probably do something with let's bring in some creative people Great. So they're finding their way and the first few seasons are a little clunky and then they really kind of catch on, you know, like this all makes sense. Like, like it's this setup. This feels like what you could do with a television series, right? Like the idea of a uh, conceptual bad guy that is on par with your ultimate deus ex machina MacGuffin and setting them up in a narrative framework that gives you the chance to say they are the equals to the ancients. They are not the ancients. They are over there. They have been focused on this other thing, which when we are presented with it, we look at it and go, Oh no, this is terrible. And structure a narrative, uh, uh, problem that, you can then use as motivation to create television shows like holy moly. Am I excited to see where this goes? I, I think that there's a chance that they could really screw it up. Um, <laughs> there's 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 you know, you're running on some thin ice when you're when you're dabbling with um, with religious uh, uh, overtones. And I am expecting that they do the. um like the sort of the neoliberal idea that was really popular in the early 2000s of like going real heavy well in the 90s too, go real, real heavy with um, 
you know, capital R reason and, you know, capital E enlightenment, not the enlightenment talking about the show, but, you know, the, the philosophical tradition that, you know, right. that we have here. I, I would expect them to go in that direction, which is also why it was a little weird for the dialogue to be so insistent that they're not they're not they don't have any problems with other religions. Let's make this clear we don't have any problems with that. So I'm just going to tell you it like three times. We don't, we don't have any problems with other religions. It's just, you know, we got a problem with your religion. <laughs> <laughs> and I, 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 I am willing to drink the Kool-Aid of like, yeah, you know, the, 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 the religious fanaticism as documented is one of, of, of absolute uh, inability to accept difference. Um, and uh, enforcing that through, death i'm absolutely willing to go yeah yeah we don't like that like not our jam therefore you guys are bad yeah 100 on board oh i will note that you know this question of you know of what do we do with religion and are we being anti-religious with this Mm -hmm. um was a big deal for robert cooper and and the writing staff and such that they 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 wanted to try to, you know, they, they don't think that they're being anti-religious. I don't think so in general. I would agree. Um, uh, I, I think one of the things that they do do here is they create a bad guy that has all of the problems of every religion you have ever experienced, mm-hmm. which, you know, then makes it really easy to say they're bad, right? Um. Uh, of course, the problem is that the the things that are make a religion bad are the things that make any organization bad. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. This is not um, this is not unique to religion, right? And and if I had a critique here, I mean, generally, I, I actually like where they go overall with the ORI, and and I don't think that they're criticizing religion, um, but they also don't have the capacity to talk about religion in a non-negative way. Yeah. Which is different. So, like, they're not saying that religion is bad, but every time they talk about religion, they're talking about this thing which is bad. Yeah. Which is not the same thing, but it's kind of close. I mean, it, but it's also a really, we, um, <clears throat> we've got a lot of narrative history, storytelling history, where we're able to tap into um, ideas of, of, of zealots. Mm-hmm. And therefore, it makes for it makes for a narratively rich area to put your television show into. It's a lot of fertile ground here. Yep. And, uh, you know, what are the things that actually are the problems? The problems are related to that zealousness that is not unique to religion at all. But these are the these are the uh, stories that we're kind of used to. These are definitely the tropes that we can build upon as in. The thin ice is that, you know, I think it might be easy for them to accidentally step over a line that actually is insulting to those who are religious, but uh, it is undeniable that they are in fertile ground to talk about people who are not you, who think that you need to think like them and will stop at nothing until you do. I think we got tons of examples of that. Uh it's just that religious uh, structures are things that we are able to point to very easily yeah. to say, you know, like like that or like that or like that. And, and, you know, I'm being very vague on the that's on purpose because I 
heartily believe that it depends on where you are in that sentence where you say, say those people are bad or those people are bad. This show is trying to take the umbrella position, but not hey, just try to make sure there's a, you know, we don't have any problems with religions. <laughs> that might that might be a bit of a joke for me. Going for, but anyway, is that they're taking the umbrella position of like that the things that they are not happy with. And, and you know, and um, Daniel articulates this really quickly, asterisk and a bit of a tangent. I wonder if they rely on Michael Shanks's ability to deliver lines at lightning speed to get through exposition as quickly as possible <laughs> because his ex his, his exposition of, you know, why this is not that good. It was it, the lines were delivered really fast. Like yeah. he got through that. Um, but, you know, at least it's on paper. Like, at least it's like, you know, this is the, this is the position that the show is trying to take of like, you know, like, yeah, you, you know, people have a whole lot of differing opinions about that and they feel very strongly about that. But one of the things that we will not tolerate is intolerance. It's the, it's the um, paradox of tolerance, um, you know, that's actually been discussed at length and fair, you know, over the past several years. And I think very intelligently about how like actual tolerance has to be intolerant of intolerance. Otherwise, intolerance ends up taking over the whole thing so that it feels like it's it feels like it's not uh, it's not in keeping with the traditions of tolerance. Well, you know, hey, if you're tolerant of everything, then you got to tolerate my intolerance. No, no, that's actually false. Um I think that's what Daniel is saying here. It's like, you know what? You can come along and you can you can you can talk all you want about the R.I. You can talk about origin, but you cross the line when you are no longer tolerant of opposing or of differing ideas. I'm very happy with that. When when you say that the choices are convert to my way of thinking. Yeah. Or I'm going to kill you. Yeah. um, You have crossed the line. Yeah. I, I think it will also. Um. Coming in with some of the language of, you know, of of crusade language is also the ice can get a little thin over there. Um, It's, you you know, you're not guaranteed to be skating on thin ice necessarily, but it you can end up accidentally crossing that line if you're not thinking about it. And they might I would suspect that they would probably swing and miss. I I just think that there might be something where I'm just like, "Mm, well, whatever. Um, But again, bringing it back to sort of the bigger point. I'm shrugging my shoulders like, you know, I mean, you, you can't deny that over here there are stories aplenty. You can you can tell all sorts of great television stories over here with all of these zealots that are armed to the teeth and want to convert you at the point of a sword. I think yeah. that there's I think there's a lot of room there. I'm really excited of where we are. I think this, like I said, I think this thing did not land at all. And I'm not really even talking all that much about the episode in specific. Which I guess is like the meta good point of like, I'm just so excited to be going into this story at a, as, at a big point that I'm like, oh, right. There was things that happened here. <laughs> like, should I be talking about the things that happened here? Eh, I don't know. Should I be talking about how, boy, it was convenient that all you had to do was put the communicator in, a, in the caboose and it all worked out? Eh. Um, you know, boy, wouldn't it suck to wake up and suddenly find that you're getting burned to death? Yeah. Eh. Uh, you know. I don't know. Okay, I, I, I've rambled. What about you? What do you think about this episode? So yeah, in general, I think uh, I agree overall with what you were saying. Um, the landing is—I wouldn't say that they failed to land, um, but it's not as crisp as it could be. It, it yeah. really feels like a lot of pilots, where, yeah. where you you you've introduced the bad guy and you set the the situation of oh crap, this is yeah. going to be awful. 
but but you want to leave your audience with a sense of of hope and optimism for our heroes and whatnot. And so you have to do a couple of things, uh, you know. So let's let's just kind of release the tension a little bit here and and show um, Jackson and and Vala separating from those bracelets. And then you see Jackson talking about how he's a little bit concerned about what's going to happen because this is really scary. We get to see our our favorite guy from before, Richard Dean Anderson, you know, General uh, General O'Neill show up for that little bit. Yep. We tie everything back to how did this begin, right? Because this began three episodes ago, two episodes ago with um, with uh, Cam Mitchell saying, okay, now I'm head of SG-1 and I need to build SG-1. Yeah. And that, uh, you know, I got here because I crashed in the F-302, and now we see him at the end in the F-302 flying around. It's going to be okay, Mitchell. You'll be fine. Um, I think what we got here uh, is, I don't know, three, four, or five minutes of television, whatever it was, of, um, let me just give you something really soft. And, yeah. And, you know, let, let me give you a little bit of bread. Right, you know, <laughs> you you got an upset tummy. This will help. You, you know, you you've been through a lot. We've taken you on a big long journey here, and we just need to give you a little bit of time, yeah. to settle your tummy before we send you on your way. Yeah. Um, and it, what matters? Nothing of that actually matters. It's it's irrelevant. Yeah. Other than it gives you the time to settle your tummy in yep. that. And I think that's what we get. Um, so, uh, is it? Does it just kind of feel awkward? Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. Is that because it's bad, or because everybody's got a little bit of an upset tummy? Tummy at this point in time. <laughs> um, uh, an argument yeah. could be made for both. Yeah. I will right now make the argument for the upset tummy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do agree with you that the whole line of "Well, we'll match our strengths against their weaknesses." <laughs> Can I mean, you that's, name, name that's what the one. boss has to say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> name one of them. <laughs> what weaknesses do we they have? Oh, you don't uh, know. You have no idea. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, it, it I mean, it is a good uh, philosophical approach to things, right? Yeah. Well, OK, so how do we handle how do we handle all of our problems? Well, at least from a military point of view, at least in this setting, is the implication that we're going to find their weaknesses and we'll take our strengths and exploit their weaknesses with our strengths. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so what's he do? Well, he says, uh, remember, this is who we are. This is what we believe. This is what we do. Well, what are their weaknesses? Well, I don't know, but we got to go find them. And then once we find them, then we can address our strengths against their weaknesses. Yeah. Um, is it cheesy? Yeah, absolutely it is. But it's also Bo Bridges. I mean, yeah, yeah, yes, yes. Anyway, um, in terms of the rest of the story, I think that the introduction of the Ori, the the origin religion, um, by all means, there's still a lot more that can be done and will be done. Mm -hmm. um, but in terms of this initial check on that, it's like, oh, okay. Um, and then the who the Ori are, um, you know, we have been. I, I think it's. I think it's actually great storytelling in that. And creative story working here, right? So, like for the last four years or so on SG One, maybe more, um, we've been talking about the ancients being this 
highly evolved, you know, used to be humans. They're living on a different plane of existence. Yeah. And we're like, would you just get involved and help us with this stuff? Yeah. Because this is hard stuff. And we've constantly said, nope, nope, nope. We're not going to do this. Then you got a couple of rogues like Oma who kind of skirts the line a little bit. Yeah. And then we, we see a story of, well, what happens if, you know, her skirting the line causes some problems with, yeah. with Anubis and all that stuff. But still, we were asking the question, come on, ancients, you're there. Can you throw us a bone? Can right. you help us out with this stuff? And they consistently say no. And now, all of a sudden, we say, well, what happens if this, is, this type of group of people do that? Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh. Yeah. So we've just been hoping and hoping for all of this stuff, and now we get it, and we're like, oh, well, that's not so good. Yeah. I mean, you know, could it be that somebody does, uh, you know... There, there is a middle ground in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but you know, um, if, if the statement is true that power corrupts and absolute cor- power corrupts absolutely, um, then you know what what the ancients have done is said, and we heard this actually in Shifu's voice, right? The the Harcesis way back in season three or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The only way to de- to win is to deny it battle. The only way to uh, win against that corruption is to simply deny it battle. And how do you do that? You don't use it. You don't share it with yeah. the lower life forms. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're, they're consistent in their philosophy. And now we see somebody who has the same power and is willing to share it and has some other issues going on. I think... Uh, if I may interject. Absolutely. I think that there, I, I'm not sure if uh, this was purely intentional, uh, but I think that this clever reframing of what powers actually exist within the Stargate universe, uh, I think it's a really good retcon in that it immediately can explain why the ancients will not interfere with lower planes of existence kind of implies that the ancients uh, okay um in no way are these statements that i'm about to say have they been like definitively said on screen so far but and additionally uh it would make sense for people who are speakers for the ori to say words that are like what i'm about to say so said differently it would make sense that the propaganda of ori would be to say what i'm about to say which is it looks like it's set up that the ancients are kind of like the rebels, like that, that the uh, boy. OK, I'll just keep using. OK, because the Ori and the ancients are basically like two nations of the same thing, basically. Mm-hmm. It sounds like the ancients are the ones who are the the group that had rejected what the Ori have been doing. That and I and the reason why I say that is because it stands, I think, to better reason that a group of individuals who have achieved such power and ability, bringing it back to power corrupting, mm-hmm. would trend toward. Therefore, they should be um, they should be revered. They should be given the ability to impact life in lower forms in the ways that they see fit that. That adherence to their views is good and dissonance to their views is bad. 
and, you know, to set that whole thing into motion and that the ancients are the ones who were bucking the trend saying, actually, how about we let those lower planes of existence do their own thing? Let's not interfere with what they have to say. Let's be uh, deferential to differences of opinion. And so it kind of sets up the cosmic um, universal power structure to be that the ancients are actually sort of like the scrappy defenders of what humanity idealizes against the 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 bulwark of what most ancients did with that power. And that is sort of the Ori zone, which mm. is like, yeah, duh, we're gods like get over it like you know and and i think that and i think that the script actually did a pretty decent job of of bringing up those philosophical slash theological questions pretty well of like look when you have the, when your power is that big i mean we're kind of quibbling over the details of the label if you're like well that's not really a god it's like mm, i mean i guess like <laughs> sure you well, might be right but also does it matter like if you have that kind of power over over so much you're basically a god so then then the question becomes um, what does it mean to be a god? Right. Um, you know, wh what is what what is required for a being or beings to be god? Um, you well, know, and well, that, those are two different questions. Say right? more. You asked what it takes to be a god, and then you frame, framed it. What does it take to be god? Those are two different questions. Well, okay. Well, I mean, kinda. I mean, the from the Ori are claiming to be, uh, you know, I mean, they're a multiplicity, um, but but as a unit, they are the creator. That's what uh, they're did, claiming. Did did he? Uh, and and this is where I just didn't catch it. Did he use the singular when the when the what's his name? Dosai. Dosai. When the Dosai was talking, did he use the singular? Singular of God. Uh, or, uh, yeah. Did he say creator, mean? not creators? Um, and, and it's, we yes, are, it's we are their creator, quibble, I believe is what he says. We are their creator. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yep. Um, on. you know, so, you know, and, and I was actually listening to some Neil deGrasse, Neil deGrasse Tyson, mm -hmm. uh, not too long ago. And one of the things that religion today needs to be very cautious of is creating a picture of a God who is a God of the gaps. Um, you know, a God that, that does the things that we don't understand how it can do. Um, you know, and, and this has been true for a long time, right? Mm -hmm. Well, we have no idea how it rains or why it rains. And so it must be God that did that or mm -hmm. a God mm -hmm. that does that, right? Mm -hmm. Well, now we learn that rain comes because of the way the different pressures in the atmosphere does this and that and the other thing. You know, we scientize that. Um, we say, well, uh, the, we, you know, you know, they can talk about evolution. You can talk about all sorts of things. Uh, the, the current one now is to talk about the Big Bang mm -hmm. and says, well, OK, the Big Bang describes what happened and all of that stuff. But we have no idea what happened prior to the Big Bang. And so then religionists go and says, well, that was God. Right. Um, well, that's fine such as it is. But what if astrophysics figures out what happened prior to the Big Bang? Right. Now, uh, the picture of God continually shrinks and shrinks with this God of the gaps thing. Uh, so one of the questions that religionists need to figure out is how do we talk about God in a way that doesn't shrink itself to irrelevancy? Because if what it takes to be a God is doing things that we don't understand, well, we understand more and more each day. 
right. with how things work. Right. Um, and now the 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 pool that is God dis- shrinks. Um, I, I don't remember where I was going with this, but it was well, we, conversation. Yeah, no, because um, so, yeah, what does it take to be a god? All right. So so you know with with the 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 ori, you know, um, they are implying that you know it's like they have a lot of power, um, and they have a lot of ways to manipulate this lower plane of existence, um, but. I mean, that makes them, you know, they have godlike powers, they have supernatural powers, but what does it take to make, to be a god, um, you know, and, and to use the language of, of the ancients and the Ori, what does it mean to be enlightened? Yeah. Um, uh, you know, we've never really gotten an answer for what the, uh, the ancients claim that to be. Right. Um, the Ori claim enlightenment as worshipping them. As the creator, as the one who does it, um, but does that actually make them gods? And that's the big question. I don't know. I, I, I no, lost no, my no. train of thought somewhere there. Yeah, but also, I mean, I'm also just kind of cognizant of where we are with the time. You know, we've been recording for an hour and 15, and boy, I, you know, I, I bet you that longtime listeners can just sense. They can just sense that... <laughs> This episode is going to now y'all know because you've downloaded it. You can see how much time there's left. I don't know. It's in my future still. This could explode into a two and a half hour long episode. Um, the I think that I think that where the well, let's bring it back here for a second. I'm excited about where the story is heading. Like I mentioned, it's going mm-hmm. into fertile fields. Yeah. And part of that fertility is that there is room for it's there's room for science fiction to cross over into philosophy and then therefore theology if you want to go that far because we're telling stories and the reason why stories are things that people actually care about is because that stories connect back to back to us and the things that we think about and worry about and ponder on and mm-hmm. we don't simply think about and worry about and ponder on what it would take to travel faster than the speed of light. We also think about and ponder on and worry about purpose and totality and destiny. And when a show that is purposefully trying to explore the edges of those themes through the fantastic, uh, it's pretty easy for these themes to start to cross over to each other. I'm thinking about, um, you know, how like Star Trek really does try to keep it to be hard science fiction. Like it really tries to be hard science fiction. And because it's a popular show, it Mm -hmm. often is brushing up against philosophical or theological themes. It happens a lot. And uh, there is a very specific flavor that at least was hugely a part of the the voice of star trek um you know that that was in a sense look we're not gonna we're not gonna bicker and argue as to whether or not you actually you super powerful being actually qualify as a god or not but what we will absolutely definitively say is that you are not the god you are not the singular omniscience that several religions on our planet purport to exist. You're not it. Whether or not you being are viewed as a God 
by this group of people that we've just met. We're really not going to worry too much about that. Sometimes we're going to get involved, sometimes not, but we're more or less going to be like, "Mm, eh, all right, but we are going to go on our spaceship knowing the capital T truth of the matter. And we're going to go zip over to another planet, right? Mm -hmm. Um, This moment right now could turn into that. Absolutely. Right. I'm interested to see where we go with the story. Right. But at this hot second, you know, taking a look of like, you know, well, what does it take to be a god? Um, that's why I wanted to make such a, such a careful distinction between the question of what does it take to be a god and what does it take to be god? Like, so, you know, and, and you know, listening to what you're talking about with, with what uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson was talking about, you know, he's still kind of aiming at the singular god, right? He's still right. aiming at monotheism. And, you know, if you go ahead and you take your and you take your sights and you shift it over a little bit and you go, well, but what about polytheism? You know, like, what does that framework do for the storytelling within the context of what we got going on right now? Right. Are the Ori wrong in declaring themselves gods? Eh, no, not really. Like, they, they might as well be. I'm interested to see where we go. Uh, this is a bad guy. How are we going to defeat them? I, I don't know. I kind of like. How do you be a god killer? We were doing it with false gods this entire time, right? Mm-hmm. How do you switch it over to being in the polytheistic kind of way a god killer? I don't know. And that's another layer of excitement for me. Of like, I I don't know. Like, you're the storytellers, friends. Go, yeah. yeah how, tell me a story about how that happens. Like the I, the danger here for our heroes is very real. Yeah, yeah. far more real. Then, I mean, then, then even with the Guauld nine years ago, sure, um, you know, and and I think this is what I agree with you. This is what I really appreciate about this story. Uh, the whole Ori story, it is, I believe, consistent with what we've had in the past up until this point. So it's like rooted itself in Stargate lore of the last mm-hmm. eight years, mm-hmm. and uh, it creates a bad guy that is far, far more. Um, destructive or the potential for destruction, destruction, yeah. uh, than the gold ever were. Yeah. Um, and you know, and and now we are asking ourselves the question. Well, like we were kind of asking this question: How do we get rid of Anubis? And the only answer we came up with was having um one ancient being decide that she was going to sacrifice her eternal existence. Yeah. To combat this guy so that he couldn't do anything else. Yeah. And now we have essentially a whole galaxy of Anubises. Uh, yeah. Only yeah, they might more. even be worse. Right. Yeah. Bring it back to what Daniel said. I'm actually yeah. scared about this one. I'm like, I'm with you, Daniel. This is good. <laughs> I mean, bad. It's terrible. But from a story point of view, holy cow. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, th- th- this this is... A story that puts our heroes in mortal danger. Yeah. Uh, which is great storytelling. Yes. Uh, the, the, the trick is figuring out how to faithfully tell those stories and potentially um, resolve the conflict. Yeah. Uh, in a way that feels um, satisfying to us as an audience. Now, okay. Unfortunately, I just had a thought. I got to vocalize it because I have to because it's real. This is this is a thing. Okay. We we have two seasons. Yep. Now, I also am aware that there's other Stargatey stuff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you know, I, I'm I'm 
absolutely willing to bet a box of donuts that we probably are not going to resolve it in two seasons. Maybe we'll like almost resolve it or it won't be very satisfying. And that might be part of the reason why there's more stuff later. But I, I, I have to temper my enthusiasm. If I were watching it in 2005, I would be really excited. I would be very, very excited. This almost feels like a fresh reboot. Like you could tell several seasons worth of stories with this. Yeah. I think that, hmm, how much can I say? Okay, so I think that uh, from the showrunners of Stargate SG-1 in 2005, when they were given a green light for another series, another yeah. season, um, were creating uh, a, a overall narrative that they intended or were hoping would last uh, like a, a, a TV series long. Yeah. You know, so, you know, four to six years. Yep. Um, suffice it to say, they didn't get that. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. They, yes. were, they, they, they were going in at this point in time with, with the idea of, we have now created something that we could tell four years worth or six years worth of stories. And I think that's true. I think they did. Yeah. They were successful at that. Um, uh, I understand that there were a lot of people who were less positive about these seasons than the original. Oh, sure. 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 Um, uh, it is different. You some people like the new characters, some people don't. Right. Um, some people like the Ori, some people don't. Yep. I would have liked to see more stories than just two seasons in this universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we only got the two seasons. And maybe I'm starting to see a bit more of the structure as to why the fandom wants more. Like I might be starting to see the shape of what could happen with the introduction of a story and knowing it only gets a couple of seasons and then maybe a movie, if I remember right. I mean, I don't know what the theme, you know, what the plot is of any of it is, but I mean, it's like, right. cause there's you know, Stargate origins, I think is, is, is something out there. Um, well, so, so there's, there's Stargate SG one. And then there are two made for TV movies with yeah. the SG one cast. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, after universe, then I don't know. It's a couple, five, six years ago now. Uh, they had Stargate Origins. Um, I will tell you this right now: that Not Stargate related. Origins is unrelated to the Ori. That's a miss, swing and a miss. Well, I'm. You know, there's a lot of people <laughs> who have strong opinions about Stargate Origins. I guess we'll get there when we get there. I'm not going to say anything right yeah. now. Because we're not there yet. But, but yeah, I mean, so like, you know, if what's happening is if, if there's a whole lot of people who are listening to the podcast and, you know, what I hope is that I'm actually kind of close to the mark. I'm hoping that there's a lot of people that their eyes are getting wide and they're nodding and they're like, yes, yes, yes. And, and, and I don't know how we get there. I don't know what happens, but I kind of hope that this is more of a firefly situation than a 1978 BSG situation. I hope that this is more of a, we end it and I'm like, whoa, whoa, there's way more. There's way more story here that could be had. Why is it stopping here? Uh, and then hopefully getting more, a, a bit more. And then, you know, now maybe the enthusiasm of MGM, of, of Amazon owning the IP and it's like, maybe we'll get more Stargate. You know, like, I, I think I'm, I, I think I'm starting to see the, the shape of this thing within the midst of, of this experience. Well, time will tell. Time will tell. All right, Brent. Yes. It is that time. Probably yeah. past the time. Yeah. I need to know how many chevrons you're going to give Origin. This is a tough one, Zach. 
<laughs> this is really, really, really tough. Um, the reason it's tough is that I'm going to I'm going to ignore the ending. I, I, I mean, I hear what you're saying. They, they landed it and any landing you can walk away from is a good one. And anywhere the plane's usable is a great one. I think the plane is still usable. I just didn't like how they did it. I just thought it was weak, but um, whew, I liked it. I knew I liked it. I knew I was going to rate it high. Talking about it is making me even more excited. I'm going to go with it with the viewpoint of like a 2005 I set. Boy, if I had watched this in 2005, I would have been so excited. I'm I'm going to give this one a seven. Ooh. I'm giving it a seven, but I was contemplating going higher. The reason oh, I was contemplating wow. going higher was because of how like I'm seeing I, I, how hopeful I am that this is going to be the structure of something great. I could be way wrong. They, it, this could be whatever. We'll find out. But you know what I'm saying? Like this could be. Who knows? Um, but what the, what this story did well, I'm also kind of this is also kind of tying in the other two episodes. You know, it's 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 getting boosts from the previous two. Sure. Um, it's creating a situation that is so much fun for the story that I cannot wait to see where we go from here. Um, all of the mechanical pieces of the storytelling, they were great. They were they were really good. Um, you know, like you know, even the newbies that they brought in, I mean, like they are leaning into the, the discomfort that the cast change is having and it's working. Like, it's not like, this is not, this is not that bad at all. Like it's, 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 it's happening in a way that is making sense and that it's, it's, it's connecting, it's clicking. Um, Oh, also, by the way, I mean, we completely skipped over how I'm noticing that they're incorporating more CG, including that long shot of the hallway. Mm. Um, you know, like, you know, it's look, it looks bad because it's 21, 22 years. No, it's 19 years old, but no, 18. Wow. Um, <laughs> it's old, but, uh, uh, you know, it's, there's more to it and the scope is getting bigger and the enemy is getting worse. And the heroes now have way more experience, like seems like we're getting it's getting juicy. It's just getting fun. So seven out of seven for me. What about you, Zach? <laughs> That's a long way to, that was a long, long wow. rating. It's getting juicy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Put so, that on a t-shirt. Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I think this is a really, really good episode. It's a strong episode. Um, I'm not so picky about the landing. Sure. Uh, as you are, uh, although I will also fully acknowledge that uh, um, it it's a ho hump, you know, milk toast type of landing. Uh, it's bread it, for your it, for your upset it, tummy. It, it's bread for your upset tummy. It, yes, it, it's nothing. <laughs> um, but you get an upset tummy with this episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, there there were times in this where I'm like, oh, I really feel. Uh, and I'm like, ah, oh, goodness gracious. Um, and, and we, we develop the, you know, we, we don't really develop it, but we, but we hint at, um, some stuff with Garrick and the free Jaffa. Yeah. Uh, and he is connected with, with the origin story, but we don't know what exactly how that's going to play out. Um, I think it's really well written. It's well executed. Um, uh, you know. I, I was deb- I don't think I was ever going to go with higher than a seven. I wasn't going to go right. into the eight category. And no, dear listeners, we don't have a ninth Chevron, despite the fact that some of you think that we do. <laughs> I mean, we will, but we don't. But that's so, not today. <laughs> so not today. So the highest we can go is eight. 
but I, and I, I'm not going to go there. Um, so now my question is, <laughs> do I give it a seven or not? Uh, you know, just to throw people for a loop and make it more difficult, I'm going to give it a 6.5. <laughs> oh, I just felt the collective weight of a bunch of, uh, pl- of uh, small audio devices getting thrown. <laughs> you know, we talk about you being an agent of chaos. Yes. And that is true. Yes. But, but I need to remind everybody that I also am an agent of chaos. Yeah, I brought that up amongst friends one day and they all looked at me like I was insane. They're like, you? An agent of chaos? And I'm like, hey, look. <laughs> In some small ways, yes. But <laughs> Right. Okay, so uh, it is now time for predictions. Yeah, let's go take a look and see what people had to say about all right. this. <laughs> so let's see here as of this morning when i looked we didn't have much in the way of the facebooks i've got we do have one yeah okay all right we have paul hi paul says hallowed are the ori yeah yeah yeah. zach and brent will both give it a six the ori make their presence known and the jaffa leader does the same good setup for the season yeah yep it is a good setup for the season sure is um and uh and and we Gave it, uh, you know, a little bit of a boost there yep. know, for that. Uh, and that's it. That's, uh, well, that's what we got on uh, the Facebooks. On the Facebooks. Over to the Discords? Over the Discords. All right. We got, uh, we got Sean. Hi, Sean. Hi, Sean. Sean says, hollowed all the predictions. Ah. This one I, always. He, he twisted it there. I saw it. sure I saw did. Those. This one always had a major downside to it. I appreciate that I appreciate there's lots of new characters and we don't know their personality traits yet, but we know Daniel. How does no one care to mention that Herod and Salas died after waking up at the last minute to be burned alive? No one even mentions it. It's fair. It might have landed on the cutting room floor, though. Possible. Okay. It did. Sean continues. I mean, more conversation about that landed on the cutting room floor. Aside that. It's a good episode. New baddies and they're ascended. Maybe Anubis and the Ori are best pals. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hmm. Five all around, perhaps, says Sean. Nope. Liked it better than that. I, I know. I know where you're. I know, know where you're going with this one. I don't know where you're going. I think is what he's. Doing. I don't know where you're going to go with this one. So that was Sean's prediction. Thank you, Sean. Uh, thank you, Sean. Next, we have up dinner beef. Hi, dinner beef. Hello, Beef to dinner. Ah, the Ori, the ones you are building great. Who the ones who are building great holy armies? Wonder how that's going to turn out for us. You know, this episode has one quote that I really think sums up a lot of Stargate. Quote: I refuse to accept the blame for that. Curiosity is part of human nature. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great quote. Yes, but under the predictions, says Dinner Beef, for Zach a six and Brent a five. Ah. Like to more than that. Okay. All right. Uh, then we've got, got Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Kevin says, hi, Brent. Hi, Zach. Sorry I missed last week. I fell asleep. That's fine. Oh, well. See, I think he was working like a big, like 12 hours. Whatever. He, he was, yeah, I think so. Yeah, something doing, like that. Doing a lot of work. Seems like these Ori fellows might be trouble. <laughs> As I was watching, <laughs> I took a few notes. One, good job, Daniel. Way to point out that you're in that that you're inhabiting heretics. Mm, Yes. Two. Julian Sands. R.I.P. Yeah. 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 Three. Good job, Daniel. The ancients are hiding the Milky Way galaxy. But now thanks to you, the Orionors of their existence. Yep. Four. Good job, Daniel. You almost knocked Thanos unconscious. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, yeah. With the <laughs> Five. Good job, Daniel. Thanks to you, Fanta's got force choked. <laughs> Six. Why is Walter calling the Code Blue a medical emergency? Does he usually call out medical emergencies on the base? That's his voice over the speaker. Yeah, that's a good point. That's true. Seven. Good job, Daniel. You got the nice couple on the other galaxy killed. <laughs> Eight. Having trouble finding a clever way to get the title to next week's episode in. I know that seems inconceivable. Zach uh, will tell you after David's prediction, so we'll just wait for that. Yep. All right. Yep. Yep. I think this is a great way to cap off the beginning of a new enemy while set also setting up the beginning of a show that was supposed to end last season. I predict sixes from you both. Yeah, that's pretty, Ooh, pretty yep. close. Yep. Pretty but close. A little higher. All right. So that's what we got on the discord. Okay. And we do have some emails. Uh-huh. Uh, three of them, in fact. Oh, okay. So we start with Ed. Hi, Ed. Ed begins with, in very big, bold letters, Hallowed are the Ori. Hallowed are the Ori. He says, I'm disappointed I missed the debut of the Merlin stuff. It's one of my favorite arcs, and I'm excited about listening to you guys go through it. Ah, yes. Yeah. I really enjoy John Crichton's Baptist brash bashes and Bible quotes throughout the series. John Crichton is Ben Browder's character from, from uh, Farscape. Uh, it brings a certain sarcasm that is natural to the show, but especially welcome with the void left by RDA. Mm-hmm. Um, I have my own opinions on his Baptist <laughs> stuff. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> um, the, the special effects outside the city of Celestia, Celesta uh, were pretty cheesy, and the Ori don't believe friendship is magic. No. They're not ponies. Did you notice how well they worked out the reflections and were consistent with the reflections when Aaron Soon and Daniel Jackson in the other bodies were in the house? I did notice I that. I did notice. That was pretty yes. cool. John Lithgow really nails the role and I think makes quite the spooky villain for these next seasons, uh, though I don't remember seeing him in Farscape before. I don't remember seeing him. I, I, I didn't don't remember see John Lithgow. <laughs> Um, and I haven't seen enough Farscape to know. I'm looking forward to these last couple of seasons of Farscape. <laughs> uh, wrong show, Ed. This is a Stargate podcast. This is a Stargate. Stargate, 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 Stargate. Okay. All right. Ben. Uh, not Ben. Brent. <laughs> That's good. I answered just about anything, so it's fine. Yeah. I'll call you George. George. Hey, George. <laughs> hey, George. Uh... Brent will look at his morning bagel and realize it's the shape of the first letter of Ori and become a believer. Oh, dear. Giving no, this episode happen. a five out of seven. Yeah, no. Zach knows the implications, so will thus become filled with the flames of enlightenment and give it a six out of seven <laughs> while shouting, Hallowed are the Ori. Hallowed are, Hallowed the, Ori. are the Ori. Sure. Yeah. All right. Th thanks, Ed. Thanks, Ed. Uh, next, we have. Uh, Lydia Ann. Hi, Lydia Ann. Good morning. Good morning. I've had a week and have had no time to process the episode, but what sticks with me is the religious imagery. Vala and the apple offering it to mm. Daniel, a reference to original mm. sin, a taking of knowledge that was not for them. Hmm. Oh. All of those are very fascinating things that if I had more time, I would really dig into them because that'd be huh. fascinating. Maybe we need a second chances episode. Ooh, well, there you go. But isn't 
that what the Ori are offering their followers, mm. an initial knowledge of humans, humanity's place in the universe, followed by knowledge of enlightenment? Mm. Isn't that what Oma was offering when we first met her on Keb back in season four's Maternal Instinct? Mm-hmm. Braytek was tempted by the offer at the time, but declined because pursuing freedom for the Jaffa was more important. Mm-hmm. The Jaffa have their freedom. Will they now pursue enlightenment through the Ori? Yeah, that was something we didn't really talk about, about the, the consequence of... Because that line was not dropped unintentionally, where Garrick was all like, I want to hear what this guy has to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We know Dr. Weir has an interest in the ancients' work on ascension. Yep. Will Ori knowledge help? The Ori are willing to share their knowledge. What could possibly be bad about this? <laughs> right. The or death Claws yeah, of the, the Ori's <laughs> offer. <laughs> Not the comfy chair. Not the comfy chair. <laughs> this is messy and mixes Buddhist philosophies and practices with Christian theologies yeah. and traditions in ways yeah. that I cannot make sense of. You're 100% right that it does that. Um, this would be my critique of just about every science fiction show that has ever been made. Uh, that that invites conversation about religion is that uh, they all think because they all had a grandma they they know stuff. Ah, and, I had a grandma and, and, you too. Know, I, I love your grandma, <laughs> and I love my grandma, and and my grandma did a lot to help shape who I am and what I believe and all of that stuff. Yes, but just because I have a grandma does not mean I know crap. Yeah. Yep. Sorry. No, it's okay. I would just love to see that. Uh, I would love to see science fiction shows uh, in general um, and all shows in more particular uh, that are delving into philosophies of Buddhism and Christianity and whatever doesn't Islam. I don't care what the religion is. Um, if, if, if you're, and even, and even in this situation, they're not even talking about either of those religions specifically, but mm-hmm. they're kind of mixing stuff in there. Yes. Bring in people who actually know what you're talking about so that you do it in a way that is at least internally consistent with what you're trying to create. Yes. Yes. Now, uh, I know we got to get back to, uh, to Lydia Ann's thing, yeah. like, but this is also by no means is this an excuse. I think this is just an explanation. 2005, we were still very, 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 very firmly entrenched in the notion of uh, letting the creators of our popular entertainment just wax poetic on things that they had no idea about. You know, I recall having the same thought, perhaps not as uh, nuanced as it is today for me, 18 years ago. Yeah. So yeah. I don't accept that. <laughs> well, I mean, don't have to accept it at all. But okay, fair we enough. were living there and there That's was a true. whole lot of it. Yep. All right. Anyway. Uh, Lydia Ann concludes with yes. a prediction of a six for Brent and a five for Zach. Yeah, nope, a little higher. Nope, very, very. So, uh, we were actually liking this episode. You know, what? it's the because of the conversation. I'm yelling at this episode, um, you'd think I hated it. <laughs> well, I mean, but like, it's it's um, this is just one of those watershed moments. That's yeah. it. Like, yeah. you know, is it getting a boost from the conversation? Yeah. Is it getting a boost from the meta? Yes, it is. Like, is that fair? No, but that's how we do it. So like, <laughs> there it is. We're agents of chaos. Yeah, is the way we do it. Is how All we right. do. So and then finally, we have David. I who David. puts in the name of the gods. Great Chevron encoding bias buffer mm. will mm. be built. Oh, uh, 
Yes. In the name of the gods, great Chevron encoding bias buffers will be will built. Will be built. There it is. And armies will go across the stars. You gotta you gotta talk out of the side of your mouth when you're doing that though. Stars. 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 Now <laughs> we- <laughs> Now we know the main plot of season nine, and it only took three episodes to get there. The Ori are the evil ascended with a convert or die mission statement, and they are coming to our galaxy where they lost relatives ran where their lost relatives ran off to. Uh, I wasn't actually suggesting reading the entire email. <laughs> oh, sorry, I got confused. Sorry. So, so, so do me a favor, please. <laughs> what did David say again? <laughs> oh, come on. I said that with enough enunciation. But no, you're no, it's totally right. The catch is that. So, you know, like a little behind the scenes magic here, friends. Uh, like, I think you've we've told you this before. Zach is recording. I am recording. We're recording two separate audio tracks, but we're using um, in this case, it happens to be Apple's FaceTime audio to do it. you you were blowing out the mic is what was happening i couldn't hear you (laughs) sorry all right so david says yes now we know the main plot of season nine and it only took three episodes to get there yes the ori are the quote evil ascended with a convert or die mission statement yes and they are coming to our galaxy where their lost relatives ran off to good setup i'm on board let's go yep side note I just finished binging season nine last Tuesday. If that tells you anything about how I felt about this season. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, this was a satisfying conclusion to the beginning of a great setup of things to come. Brent will give it six chevrons with some minor quibbles about it taking a long time to get there, but he enjoyed the ride. Yes, I did. And Zach's chevron. Zach will give it six chevrons for reasons. Yeah. Uh, So like David. So here's a little bit more of the backstage pass right here right uh so just before we started podcasting i texted david and i'm like david i don't have a prediction from you did you miss it what's going on and he looked and says oh i forgot to hit the send button so he hit the send button and then he read it and he realized that the reason he hadn't sent the send button because he hadn't finished his explanation of why i gave it six chevrons so it's six chevrons because that's all you're gonna (laughs) six chevrons because That's all all you're going to get. That's all we get. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So, Brent. Yes. We have now come to the conclusion of the season opener. Yeah. And we now have new villains and we have new stuff. And we go into the next episode. Yeah. The episode is called The Ties That Bind. Uh, Okay. And I ask you what The Ties That Bind is all about. Uh... Okay, the ties that bind. Okay, okay, okay. All right, the ties that bind. Okay. <clears throat> Next time on Stargate SG-1, the SG-1 team travels through the gate to find themselves on a strange world. They are greeted by an individual, and he says, hello. And they say hi. And he says, my name is Tyler, and I am here to... I don't know why I'm here. You're here too. <laughs> let's go over there. And they're like, sure, sure. Let's go. Let's follow. Take us to your leader. And, and Tyler goes, okay, let's go. And so they head on over there and they, they meet, uh, they meet. <laughs> everybody's going to see where I'm going. I don't care. Um, and they go over there and they meet, they meet their leader. And the leader says, hello. And says, hello. 
Word, the SG-1 team where explorers from Earth become peace with her. That's nice. I see Tyler here brought you over here. Yes, what's your name? My name is Tyson. Oh, hi, Tyson. Well, that's weird. Uh, so, what do, you, what do you do here? Well, <laughs> I'm just waiting. I'm going to see how this lands. Well, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> I'm going to have you go over uh, with a tour. <laughs> with, a, with a tour of the place. And, uh, uh, so, so we got Tyler and Tyson and, uh, 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 and, and over there, it's going to so come on over here. So, Hey, Tyrone, come over here. Like, yeah. Send these guys on a, on a, on a, on a tour of the place. So Tyrone comes by and he's like, Hey, how you doing? And like, everyone's like, great. <laughs> What's this place about? And so they go walking through and Tyrone's all like, yeah. So what we do here is that we harvest, uh, we harvest stuff and then we, we 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 take it over here. We we put it, make it into other stuff, and then we kind of we kind of weave it over there. You see that, and then we twist it right over there. And then uh, these dudes, these 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 buff guys, they they're they're in charge of of beating the snot out of it, and that kind of puts it all together there. And when you twist it and 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 hammer on it a lot, it turns into pretty great rope. You know, we're, we're rope makers. Yeah, that's, that's what we do. <laughs> Oh, really? Says SG1 team. What do you do with the rope? And Tyson goes, no, no, Ty- it's Tyrone. He goes, oh, yeah, we bind things. So join us next week as Starcade SG1, the ties that bind. <laughs> and you were complaining about, <laughs> about sticking a landing. Lands. I know. <laughs> oh, um, gosh. Join us next time on Stargate SG1. The ties so, that bind. So, so I will tell you this. Yeah. They do go to a different planet. Good. And they meet people on that planet. And they meet yes. different peoples. Yeah. And those peoples actually have jobs. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good. Good. I'm, 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 I'm three for three. Uh, <laughs> are you? Are you really? Are any of them named Tyler? Uh, why don't we watch the promo and find uh, out? All right. Fine. All right, are you ready? I am ready. I'm hitting play now. Next time on Stargate SG-1. Despite removing the bracelets, Daniel and Vala are still bound. When she came back. To break the connection, the team begins an epic quest. Oh, hey. I want it back. Uh, Ah. I'm going to tell you how to sever the link. Uh Uh-huh. Huh? Inconceivable. How about uh, straight swap? Necklace for power. No. Yeah. That was Tyson. What do you want? Uh, I need my cargo ship. That's Tyler. What you borrowed? Yeah. Whoa! Oh, no violence. No damage in the game. I'm going to go with that time around. Yep. Besides, I think the Alliance wants to hold her up as an example. In addition to all that, General Landry and the team must justify their existence in an appropriations committee. It's uh, all of course they do. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, that's funny. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, good. I'm disappointed right. that there aren't any rope makers, but that's all right. Oh, well, if I recall correctly, I'm going to not say anything. <laughs> So, uh, tell us what you think about this episode, or the ties that bind, or whatever else that's happened to be on your mind. You know, talk, tell about, tell us about your philosophies and your theologies and and your your oh, yeah. other ologies and stuff. Uh, you can email us at walking through the at gmail You can, of course, go to the Facebooks and the Discords and do all the fun things mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. 
And with all of that, I say I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. And this has been Walking Through the Stargate. See you next time. Bye. Carter, dial it up. Get these people home.